beer and now we're giving to you damn good beef hassle cattle company is the absolute best in farm to table wagyu beef in the country uh they are a fourth generation cattle farm out of texas but they ship all over the beautiful united states and straight to your door they also ship outside the country and they just shipped an order of fifteen thousand pounds of meat to peru um, and so if they're able to get that food in Peru and like have it shipped to them, why don't you take advantage of it here? Well, I guess I'm just assuming you're in the United States and I realize that half of these listeners are not. So the point so is, I guess true. that wherever you are, you can, you can still get Wagyu beef that is affordable for every man, woman, or child. Sure. Um, their, their beef has won nice. all sorts of awards. Um, they won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Uh, we don't just love mm. their beef. Everybody does love their beef all around the world. Um, if you guys want to check out Hassle Cattle Company, you can go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com and use the promo code DMVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMVR10 for 10% off any orders over $200 and you receive free shipping. Check them out. We promise you won't be disappointed. Nicely done. I've uh, I've never asked you, Henry, do you like it when I act as a hype man during your ad reads? or I always would... like when you act as a hype man. We are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's Boom. top rated sportsbook, sportsbook Damn hey. straight. We're the Draft Pod. I'm here with the crew. Bat signal sent out because finally, Oof. boys, not just some draft news, draft news overload. Position group preview be damned. You are getting a new draft order, which for us is a new world order. And uh, there is so much to get into. There is so much with the pro days to get into. Um, and all that is going to culminate in we have a lot of new options to really dig in on and consider for your Denver Broncos at the ninth pick, which now I think with the Carolina Panthers at eight become the two hardest to predict selections in the top 10 so lots of movement let's get into it all big news today is the 49ers move up from 12 to 3 that pick for the miami dolphins where every mock draft we've been talking about could be traded well it finally was and very telling the strength of this quarterback class that the niners would move up to three and not be concerned with what quarterback will fall their way they're happy with any of the top four um told you so uh so yeah they give up 12 and two future first rounders that's correct fellas yep yep plus a third rounder that was acquired in the robert sala the dc going to the jets deal and maybe i just recently saw that a fifth was included in that it doesn't matter and then that 12th pick doesn't stay in the dolphins hands for long because they move back up trading one of those picks. I don't know that we have details on if that pick was one of their picks or one of the Niners um, future first. It's kind of irrelevant. The Dolphins now in that sixth spot with the Eagles and probably the move that I like best moving down to 12 
where they can kind of play possum and try to snatch up one of those wide receivers to drop. So, yeah. What stands out to you guys the most? Quarterbacks back to back to back to back. What's this all mean to you? Can we talk about how the Dolphins turn Laramie Tunsil into four first round picks and a third round pick? Herschel Walker status. Uh, Insane. Yeah, that bong mask, gas mask bong rather, has changed at least three NFL franchises in Houston, Miami, and now San Francisco, altered at least two divisions in the AFC East, and certainly the AFC South has been completely flipped on its head because a video of Laramie Tunsil smoking a bong through a gas mask. Um, That's the world we live in, folks. That's one of the crazier things to wrap my mind around. Um, Yeah, stoop point, Justin. So what does this mean to you guys? Who do you see San Francisco targeting? What happens with Atlanta at four? Um, Who's the biggest winner in these three trades? Two trades, two trades. I kind of think that everybody just kind of did what they needed to do. I, I think everybody wins. I think, you know, San Francisco had to give up quite a bit to move up to number three. That's what trading into the top three means. And that's a team that feels like it's a quarterback away. Go get a quarterback. Um, For the Dolphins, they had a top three pick. They were going to have their pick of just about any position player. I think that that's still pretty much true. Plus they get a bunch more assets. So I like it for them as well. And the Eagles, I think I might like it for the Eagles the best. Uh, You know, they were sitting there at six. They go down to 12. They pick up a first next year. You know, again, when you're sitting there at number six, I think that that's a chance to take one of the best position players. And now you're taking probably from that second tier of position players. But Mm -hmm. if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, now you have an extra first next year. And if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, you're probably going to have a a, a top 10, the minimum plus whatever this pick turns out to be, which you can turn into a top five pick and go get your guy. And the Eagles have a lot of holes, which is something we've talked yeah. about a lot. They weren't the sixth pick away from being a contender. You know, you, you could put Kyle Pitts on that roster. They're still going to struggle. You could add any of the elite wide receivers. You could put one of the best corners. You could put Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. They're still probably going to finish last in that division. It, yeah, it's, a guess- good, it's a good trade for them. All but Kyle Pitts of the guys you just mentioned, probably still going to fall to them at 12. Mm-hmm. And then on the 49ers, just having the balls to go up and get the quarterback and cool. spend the assets. I mean, yeah. I love that. I love the aggressiveness. And that's something that John Lynch has shown over and over as GM of the Niners. Um, I'm interested to see who it is, though. I think they figure they're going to have their choice of Zach Wilson or Trey Lance there at third overall. And I think those are two pretty good fits. I don't really see Mac Jones going that high. So I think it's between those two, maybe Justin Fields though. I don't know. It sounds like he's kind of the odd man out at this point. We'll see. Yeah. I, it's really interesting because part of me almost feels like maybe Zach Wilson of the three would be the guy most likely to drop to four in some sense, if he got past two. I think Trey Lance, if still available, is probably the most likely to go to third overall. Hmm. Um, 
And then, yeah, it leaves Fields as a huge albatross. And what does Atlanta do if this local kid drops into their lap? And I've said time and time again, I think this in a lot of ways is going to come down to Arthur Blank, an owner who was there when Mike Vick kind of revived the Dirty Bird franchise and how enticing could someone like Justin Fields to try and do that 20 years later be? Yep. And I, I, I think that they've got to go quarterback. I think people are talking about them potentially trading out of that spot. You know, mm-hmm. what's your goal then? Your goal is to go add a couple more players and, and put together a better run at the end of Matt Ryan's career. And if you're doing that, that's because you think that you have a team that has a chance to make a run at a Super Bowl. And if that's the case, you expect to, at the very least, be picking in the second half of the draft. If that's the case, you're not going to be able to get a quarterback next year when Matt Ryan is probably gone. You never know with quarterbacks, but every year after age like 36, I think you have to say probably gone after the year. And because of that, like you just have the opportunity to take a quarterback to replace Matt Ryan you're not going to have that opportunity unless you go through free agency or try to put together some crazy trade. And that's just not, not, not the way that teams find success in the NFL right now. And also, isn't there an urgency at quarterback right now with like the top, like the third pick in this draft is so valuable Mm -hmm. without knowing who the second pick will be that it's worth three first round picks. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to ask you guys something real quick, though. Does the fact that New Orleans loses Drew Brees, does that make Atlanta feel better about their contention choice or their, you know, their contention chances? But also at the same time, if you do pass on a quarterback, you run the risk of him falling to Carolina and landing in a division rivals lap. So like, if you like him at all, I feel like you kind of have to take him. But I just wonder... If New if if New Orleans losing Breeze makes Atlanta feel like it's pretty much us in Tampa Bay in terms of who's going to come out of here, we could probably run it back with Matty Ice and these receivers if we improve the defense. That's a good point, and they're picking in front of Carolina too, who obviously has a need at quarterback. So you could kind of jump them and thwart their plans maybe for at least twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two if you take a quarterback. Because that's what Carolina is hoping for, right? They're hoping that yes. Justin Fields or whoever it is um, of the top four that doesn't get picked that high falls to them at eight. I mean, that'd be the way to go. And the Lions, I think, are a wild card too. If Justin Fields is sitting there at seven, I think you have to consider that also. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you wonder, like, so if with that situation, the Falcons that Justin just outlined the Falcons being in, they need similar to the Eagles to add depth, add draft capital. And so maybe that's a team that's only going to trade down. If you're certain the trade up partner is a team that'll get that quarterback off the board. So it doesn't dra- drop to Carolina, but now we're talking about the fourth best quarterback in the class rather than the third. So is that worth rather than three future firsts two firsts and a second? because it's the fourth best rather than the third best. And maybe, I don't know, hypothetically speaking, the ninth pick is involved rather than the 12th. So you're, you're willing to make that concession or the seventh pick is involved rather than the 12th. So maybe it's just 
the seventh, the future first, and the future third. I don't know. All because then that's the other thing to consider in this new reshift. Obviously, is where do the Broncos sit in all this? Them and Carolina are kind of sandwiched in here because yes, Detroit is in a perfect spot. They can take if a quarterback drops, they're the first spot to pick that up. And if that's not the scenario, they'll be sitting pretty with whoever's left over between Sewell, Kyle Pitts, and Jamar Chase when Cincinnati and Miami are done picking. So you're, I mean, Detroit, you couldn't be in a better situation. They've gotten rid of wide receivers. They're primed to take another wide receiver. And then Carolina, it's the Big Mac Jones dilemma. But what's interesting is now the teams behind them, where are their teams who could be incentivized to kind of reshuffle? I look at New England at 15, maybe being quarterback hungry with Cam on a very team-friendly one-year contract. Now the Giants and Eagles in a loaded wide receiver class where you probably should at least have Devontae Smith still available, if not both Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith still available. Giants and Eagles might be jostling to get that second best wide receiver. Could they be incentivized to move up to eight or nine to kind of pass the other um, to assure that wide out? You know, Miami at 18 is going to have all the capital to move up or down as they please. So, yeah, that's. Um, that's kind of where we're at in a completely new reshaped draft order where I think we can safely assume regardless of what Atlanta does and Henry's on team Atlanta has to draft the quarterback. I'm on team Atlanta has to draft the quarterback. Justin, Jake, where's the rest of our panel on that? Like gun to your head today, March 26th, does Atlanta go best player, best non quarterback available do they trade down or do they draft the quarterback? It's got to be QB or trade down. I'm thinking still BPA at this point. I mean, Matt Ryan, I don't think he was bad at all last year. I mean, the no, whole team really struggled. And I mean, we haven't really seen symptoms of decline, I don't think, from Matt Ryan. So, I mean, if you wanted to do like a short-term build around him for the next three, four years, I could definitely see that. And just watching the Atlanta Falcons at the end of Dan Quinn's tenure, that defense really needs help, man. And you're in a position here where you can get top corner. You can get, you know, since maybe, maybe it's a bit high at four, but still the defense really needs some work. And if you're picking at four, you can get potentially the best defender in the draft, at least. At or Kyle Pitts in a dome, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pitts first suddenly you can do a lot more 12 personnel, um, you know, and I think similar to the Broncos, they're in a situation of, well, would we rather draft, say, Jamar Chase, trade Julio for a day two pick or have to sacrifice with someone lower on our board, but keep Julio for another couple. You know, you know, and so Atlanta's loyal, man. I don't, I don't think options. they would, they wouldn't, I don't, I'm not sure they would move a guy like Julio. They just, they're one of those few teams that seems to reward guys that stick around and let them go out on their own terms. Uh, that's a fair take. So regardless of how we feel about Atlanta, I think it's safe to assume that before the Broncos ninth pick, the big four quarterbacks will be gone. 
Penny Sewell will be gone. And at least one out of Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts will be gone. Maybe we can safely assume that both are gone. So now <laughs> that's what you're looking at is next best player is the two Alabama wide receivers probably. And then we get into the corners, the edge rushers, the offensive tackles, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a completely reshaped class and look at the top of the draft. I think it's a lot quicker to predict. Do we want to get in and do a quick mock while we're at it? Let's just, let's do it. Let's run through it and yeah. see how it plays out. So obviously Trevor Lawrence at one, are we all still Zach Wilson to the Jets at two? Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. perfect. And then I say Niners at three, Trey Lance over Fields. But I, I don't yep. think you could go wrong with either, frankly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And Atlanta, Henry and I have already spoken. We would go Fields. Um, Justin would go fields or, or trade down not to put words in your mouth. We, we just went over them. And yeah. um, given this scenario, Jake, what would you do for the Falcons? Yeah. The oh BPA. man. I, I think it'd be between Pitts Sewell hits. Yeah. Sewell. I don't, I don't know about Sewell just because, I mean, you have Matthews and then they just took McGarry a few years ago. I don't think yeah, that, yeah. Tackle is really something that they're looking at. Maybe Micah Parsons. I mean, they've been searching for a premier pass rusher for so long. Maybe he's the guy that kind of comes in there and actually injects some actual pass rush into that defense. Or you could get Sertain, pair him with Terrell, and now you got a pretty decent one-two at cornerback. Yeah, that's – I mean, none of those options are bad. But for the sake of this mock, who should we lock you in at? I would say Pitts. Okay, I like that. Um, so then since he at five, I think again, consensus on Penny Sewell. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And protect your quarterback. We go to Miami at six in Jake's scenario. Miami becomes more interesting in our scenario. I think Miami's kind of chalk and Jamar chase. Probably oh. chase or pits. I would have gone pits. Yeah. If pits is there. Oh, right. Right. No, we, yes. No, we I, went fields. I, with I, the consensus. I agree. I agree. And I think even Gasecki being there, um, you know, Flores comes from that Patriots style. So I think in that 12 person, that 11 personnel that disguises as 12 personnel would really appeal to him. Um, so again, big, big four quarterbacks, Sewell and Pitts are your top six, top five, um, one way or another. Detroit then at seven. Um, I guess we would say Chase at this point. Probably. It's one of the three yeah. receivers. In my I want to take Waddle so bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not so sure that it's a foregone conclusion that Jamar Chase will be wide receiver one. I know. He is my wide receiver one on mm -hmm. my draft board. We just see it so frequently where it seems like, you know, there's this consensus amongst, you know, the draft people that this is going to be the guy. And then, you know, the Raiders take Henry Ruggs and everyone's like, wait, what? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I guess I was team Waddle until they got rid of some of the bigger wide receivers. Exactly. And now yeah. it's like eh, the, the receiver is kind of ground zero again for them. Um, so I think in our Senate, you know, a wide receiver for sure, leaning, leaning chase, 
Um, in Jake's scenario, Fields would still be available and kind of becomes that landmine here one way or another. Um, and I think we can all agree Fields' floor is eight for Carolina. I could easily see if it shook out the way Jake has it shaking out, Carolina, Detroit doing a mini swap that we've seen before in top tens where it's like, uh, upgrade my third or something like that. And and we'll give you the swap that way you get fields and we'll still be happy with chase. And then the Broncos at nine. I mean, it's wide open, right? Because then, okay, Carolina, we just got into a fields is there. Mac Jones would be a strong consideration. I think still, um, but then there's the Broncos at nine and it's kind of a wide open because they're not that the Broncos start are the first team on this board where we can safely assume the guys we've talked about for all the top eight picks have been taken or they're one of the two Alabama wide receivers and they shouldn't really be in consideration for Denver's pick at nine. Um, who should be in consideration for Denver's pick at nine. I don't know that we've gained some clarity, but we've certainly added some names to the mix or consolidated some names to the mix with the heaviest load of pro days we've had in a minute. And we're going to get into all of those players that impressed players that disappointed fast tracks and everything in between before we really do zero in on the options for the Broncos. Before we do that though, a quick break. Uh, Cause you know, Henry, such a noble heart. He's got some special shout outs as always. I do. And the first one is for us. Um, Let's go. If you guys are not members of VDNVR.com, then you should be. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of cool things that you get access to. First of all, you get a free shirt. Uh, you'll get a free uh, CBD holistic stick from holistic wellness. It will help you recover from your day. That's the point. But there are other ones that are like meant for sleep or for digestion or a bunch of different things. So check those out at uh, holisticwellness.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K, wellness.com. And if you use the code DMVR30, then you can get 30% off your order. Or again, you become a member, you get to try nice. one for free and you get some coupons. Um, you get access to our Discord uh, server, which is a lot of fun. You get to talk about a whole bunch of different things with a whole bunch of sports fans, um, La Broncos fans. And uh, you get a big beer for the size of a small beer. Just so many really cool things yep. that you get um, if you sign up for a membership with us at DMVR. So definitely do that and make sure you check out Holistic Wellness as well. Also, nice. um, we, let's see. Oh, there it is. Yeah, we are. We, we, oh no. We yeah, are the world. There it is. The tournament is in full swing. And the Let's go. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. You pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100 all it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Uh, there's seriously no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Do not worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook has 101 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 422 or 522-4700. Uh, Nicely also, done. when it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? I know I do. Yeah. Lots of members yeah. and staff at DMVR have put their policy to the test and turned to Gabby. And when they did, Gabby. Gabby saved them hundreds of dollars. Gabby literally stands for Get a Better Insurance, G-A-B-I. Um, getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the exact same insurance coverage. The way it works is you take your home insurance policy or your auto insurance policy and you just go to their website. It'll ask you a bunch of questions like your zip code, things like that. They never sell you information. You're not going to get calls from people trying to sell you insurance. You can trust them with your information. Um, eventually they take your insurance policy and then basically show it to 40 of the top insurance providers like progressive nationwide and travelers and then they all give gabby their best offers and gabby relays those to you all of a sudden you can get the exact same insurance for much less money gabby customers save 961 dollars per year on average and again they'll never sell your info so no annoying spam or robocalls Put your policy to the test like we did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DMVR. That's G-A-B-I.com slash DMVR. Nice. All right. We, lots of pro day talk. I mean, lots. And um, where to start let's start with the more recent ones and work our way backwards henry you were quite impressed by byu and zach wilson some of the throws that he was making today on display especially the off-platform stuff yeah no he uh he did all the things that we thought he'd do um i still haven't seen the whole thing and honestly like pro days for quarterbacks I mean, come on, like they're, they're out there running around in shorts and throwing the ball to other players in shorts and there's no defenders and, and they do a bunch of things like, like run somebody in the backfield and have them simulate like ducking under and stepping up and throwing and, and they try to make it realistic. But the truth is like, if you're an NFL quarterback, which all these guys say they are, the you should be able to make all the throws with Zach Wilson. You know, there was some really great stuff that was exciting to see. Um, you know, one play that's getting replayed everywhere. He gets the ball in the shotgun and then half kind of drifts back to the left. And I don't know, kind of like off his back foot, almost just flings one 50 yards right on the money into the uh, bread basket. Just, just a beautiful ball. And he was doing that kind of stuff, showing off the arm angles and off platform work that really makes him who he is. And for the most part, he had his targets. So good day for Zach Wilson, as it should be for a quarterback on a pro day, though, would be my big caveat. Yeah, and size just barely acceptable. I guess by new standards, clears acceptability pretty well. Six foot two and an eighth, 214 pounds. Nine and a half inch hand size, just at acceptable levels. And I guess he's played in Utah. So what's New York going to be um, from BYU? Probably the other big winner is Brady Christensen, their offensive tackle that everyone's kind of going gaga over 
30 bench reps, 34 inch vertical, broad jump over 10 feet, and a 489 40 yard dash, all elite measurements for his size. So, definitely one of the many offensive tackles who's done well for himself thus far. Um, another pro day that occurred very recently is at Michigan and Jake, um, lots of good and a little bad. Give us the numbers. What, what stood out to you? Yeah. So immediately what stood out to me was Nico Collins. He had a great day, 37.5 in the vert, uh, 10 foot, five inch broad jump, then a four, four, three forty, and a six, seven, one three cone. Yeah. He's a big guy that can move, man. He's explosive. He showed it on tape. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes day two at this point. I think he's a steal waiting to happen. Just the questions yeah. about opting out. Chris Evans with a real nice day too. Uh, 40.5 on the vertical jump, 10 foot, seven inches on the broad jump, four, 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 40 yard dash and a six, five, six, three cone drill. If he can catch, I think he's someone that's a real candidate to be surprised day three day two third round ish pick uh for someone that's looking to add to their running back committee and then um Jayla mayfield was the one that a little bit of disappointing day slow in the 40 yep. not really explosive in the jumps didn't really yep. show much in the agility drills also and he didn't bench press so we didn't really get a barometer of his strength but then mcgrone he didn't really do anything either he did bench that was it so still a guy that we don't really know too much about and then quitty pay Pretty solid day. Measured in at 6'2", 261, 4'5", 240. Didn't do the agility drills, but jumped okay. Not great. I mean, um, 35 and a half at 260 is pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the 4'5", man, that's blazing at that size. Yeah, for sure. That's flying. Um, I think he kind of held serve with uh, Aziz Ojulari, who we were going gaga about. And I think from the pro day circuit, we kind of agreed was one of uh, the first guys to legitimately move up into like having a pro day so good. You kind of need to start talking about him as even an option for the Broncos at nine this week. We also had pro days at Alabama. Of course, the big story, Justin, no George Payton in attendance. I said his name wrong. Then I? no, I said it right. No, you said it right for me. Yeah. Um, but, Mac actually tested well, <laughs> adding to conspiracy theories worldwide that these pro day numbers are absolute BS because Mac Jones like ran faster than Baker Mayfield. He's faster um, than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't know what you guys was, are watching, but that's what I was seeing all year. Yeah, I always told you guys he was like bigger Baker. Um, and that was my comp, right? Um, but in seriousness for the Broncos, Sertain and Barrymore, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Sertain, I think, really put himself in the conversation for cornerback one. Yeah. Obviously, Horn had a really nice pro day for South Carolina Ooh. as well. So it's going to be kind of a, a situation of, you know, what do you want? But yeah. Sertain coming in at 6'2", that, that's really pleasing. Um, 96 percentile for hand size, 39-inch vertical you know, great, not, or good, you know, not necessarily great, I would say, but a Barrymore, six, four, three, 10, 34 and a half, five eighth arms, um, and a four, nine, three, 40. So that's a big dude really moving. Leatherwood had a decent day as well. I mean, I thought it was great. 
did pretty good. 118 on the broad. That's pretty good for somebody that's Dude. 6'5", 312. That's insane. And he ran a 49640. Uh 20 reps is is not great for a guy of his size. Yeah, but Justin, he has like the longest arms in the class, you know. That's a like good I'll, point. I'll give him a pass on getting at least 20 with that length. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, benching is a it's a short armed guy's game, you know. That's Damn all the, the meatheads because they're yes. just oh, 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 they'll rip the hell out of it when you got right. those big old long arms. I'm a lanky guy, so I'm making excuses on why there you um, go. Uh, that's the reason I'm not jacked, guys. It's just because I got these long arms. Like, Everyone yeah. knows I'd, I'd be tell. putting up massive reps if it wasn't for these damn long arms. But <laughs> it was a good day. Mac, I thought he threw well. I don't think it was great, but I thought he threw pretty well. And he showed off his arm strength, which is going to be, you know, his greatest selling point is the accuracy on that deep ball. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and with Leatherwood... Elijah Vera Tucker had a nice showing, though unlike Leatherwood, really short arms. And um, oof. And then you were talking about Amonra St. Brown, just ain't it, ain't it right? I now. mean, he ran the same, he ran close to the the same forty as you know some of the big boys, and that's just that's just not gonna get it done. Elijah Vera Tucker did have thirty six reps on the bench, so it, you know that kind of helps our theory. Short arms. Good for bench reps. Not sure if that translates to practical strength on the field or not, but I mean, he's been a great athlete. We loved what we saw. Jake has me sold on him at this point. I think he's my second favorite tackle in this class. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, all these tackles seem to be improving their draft stock at this point. I think if you're a Cosme team that's in the market great. for one, you got to be excited because a couple of these guys are going to fall to the second round. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Hank, we can even close out the tackle talk with Walker Little, I thought was uh, a yeah. half decent. Look, he didn't blow it up. It wasn't Leatherwood type stuff, but I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, he was really solid. And measuring in at 6'7", 313, it's a good it's starting good. point. That's a good starting yeah. point. There are a lot of people who just don't have the body. Walker Little has the body. He hasn't played in two years, though, right? Like, So he, he missed last year as the opt-out the year before with the ACL what has happened to Walker little in the last two years in terms of football? We don't really know, but the numbers aren't bad. Um, the one that stands out is the 33 and three quarter inch arms. You want the 34 inches and he comes in just short, but basically yep. everybody has been coming in short with the arms for tackles this year. Um, and on top of that, there's a lot to like outside, you know, we'll get the bat out of the way. 5.340. Not great. Mm. Sure. But the three cone was very good. The short shuttle was very good. Bench Those are the numbers solid. that matter. The yep. jumps were very good. You know, that's a good day for Walker Little. Um, and it's it's going to be tough for anybody to draft him considering the path that he's taken. But if you take him in the second round, I still think that odds are things are going to pan out. It's just going to feel really dumb if it, they don't. One more tackle too. Uh, Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa had mm -hmm. an insane pro day. Measured in at six eight three eleven, so he's a mammoth. Yeah, and then jumped thirty one in the vertical, one seventeen in the broad. Oof. Put up twenty nine reps, ran a four eight eight forty, and then amazing short cuddle and three cone times too. So he's put himself on the map after Let's have him goal. and Bowles be the the tallest tackle combo in the NFL. <laughs> there you go. I mean, guys like him and Leatherwood, when you are that long limbed to test as well agility speed wise as those guys are 
This is freaky stuff. This is a really nice class. Remember, Cosme tested well. Dylan Radun's kind of short arms, but tested well himself. Um, Derisov, since we're, we've gone, I like that we've done more of a position-specific uh, theme here. Um, Derisov did work out, but we have yet to see numbers or maybe didn't give out numbers in general. I don't think he did uh, yeah. actual scouting drills. He just did position drills. Which, like, look, I'm... I'm not sure why more prospects haven't tried to control the narrative. Like NBA prospects do this all the time. NBA prospects will only give their medical records to certain teams where they want to go. Um, NBA prospects might not work out or do anything for anyone based on, you know, who, how they pick and choose. So if I was Darisaw and we've talked about this on the last show, like you can just film your best 40 time. Right, it's not that hard to do, and then just send that in. I think Darisaw can use this to his advantage, control the narrative. But with how well the rest of this tackle class has tested, I don't know. Maybe there is a little pressure on Darisaw to I get think that's some the good counter. Is up. that it just yep. you? It becomes a oh crap. Well, we didn't run, and somebody else ran, and he impressed everybody. And then it's like, well, I don't want to be thought of exactly. as you know that I that I'm trying to duck or something like that, and. It's just so weird, especially this year with the combine being different. I feel like the players maybe are taking a little bit more of that flexibility, I guess, and, and using it to their advantage. Whereas I'm not sure in a normal combine setting, a lot of the guys would have the, you know, the balls to tell all these scouts and GMs, you know, no, I'm not going to do it. And they're just like, all right, well, we're just not going to take you then. Totally. Especially after Lamar Jackson and how he treated the combine and his whole pre-draft process. I mean, all it takes is one team for these guys. So I don't think I, I'm surprised kind of like you said, Andre, that more people haven't really taken advantage of controlling the narrative at this point, because it can work out for you in the end. Lamar's doing just yeah. fine. Yeah. Speaking no, of absolutely. all that though, uh, CU pro day was this week and Mustafa Johnson did, did well in everything that he did, but also he, in his words has, just a just a minor tiny little hamstring strain that's that's just barely even there but it catches up to him just a little bit at the back end of the 40 and so he decided not to run that um mm. a decision that uh I, I was impressed by i think yeah. that, that was the responsible decision when it comes to that just the, the hamstring that's bothering him just a tiny bit I, these are options you have to you um oh they are Check out the Rams feed. Justin and I went over Warren Jackson's pro day um, at CSU. Um, since we just, we've talked, we've already talked on certain kind of establishing himself more as cornerback one. We've talked about Stanford with Walker little. I thought Paulson Adibo running a four, four look quite nice. Henry. Um, yeah. More on the corners or anything else. Go ahead. Henry. Yeah. Um, Stanford pro day. First of all, that's a really big one. I think people always have their perceptions of West Coast football, but don't forget that in the last mm. decade, only seven teams have had more like NFL draft picks than Stanford. Um, yeah. Obviously, we talked about Walker Little. Dre brought up Paulson Adebo, one of my favorites. Um, yep. He was a rock star his freshman year. Wasn't quite this great uh, the next year and then didn't play this year. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Tessin, uh, 6'1, 198, good stuff. 18 bench press reps, really good stuff. 4'4, 240, uh, 90th percentile in the three yeah, cone. Man. 
that short area quickness with solid speed, that is that is what you're looking for from a, a number one corner. And I think that Paulson Adebo might be one. Um, also at that pro day, Semi Fioco, who I've talked, um, Buffs fans listening to this know all about how I feel about Semi Fioco. I haven't talked about him all that much on the draft podcast. And the reason was I wondered about his speed. You know, he's somebody who's, in my opinion, a, a top three deep threat in the Pac-12 or was last year. You could make the case that he was the best deep threat in the Pac-12 last year. And again, I thought that it just wasn't quite going to translate to the next level. But today he measures in, or not today, but yesterday, well, the last couple of days, he measures in at 6'3", 222, um, with... 96th percentile hands and he puts up big bench press numbers a 4-4-2-40 good three cone and short shuttles this is it's now time to get on the semi fioco uh hype train um 16 catches 230 yards three touchdowns against ucla Meh, pretty good not bad at all um continuing on the corners e Thetu Milanfanu, the Syracuse, um, he's a cousin or brother, I, I forget. Um, but anyways, he stood out at the senior bowl, long corner, and he blew it up. 42-inch vertical, 134-inch broad, uh, 4-4, and with a eh, decent 7-0-1-3 cone. He's obviously an outside corner. Asante Samuels, I thought, looked really well. But obviously the big story, J.C. Horn, um guys this dude i put it out there their ras scores are a perfect 10 for him and cj henderson the ninth pick in last year's draft who really rose off his testing performance both are six feet six inches um henderson was 204 horn 205 henderson had 20 bench reps Horn had 19. Um, Horn had a 41 and a half inch vertical. Henderson 37 and a half. So Horn jumped better. Henderson ran a 439. They both ran 439s. Almost identical testing. Henderson actually did the agility testing. Horn didn't. That's got a lot of people concerned. Um, obviously, that that three cone short shuttle is really important for a corner. But look, Horn incredibly impressive. He remains so raw, but when you have those kind of raw tools and that upside to be a true number one outside corner, you're going to go pretty high. Um, and he's he's thrown his name in the mix. I think if Aziz Ojulari was the biggest winner a week ago, J.C. Horn by far the biggest winner this week, at least as far as Broncos um, targets go, because Jake... Rondell, Elijah Moore, both blew it up. No surprises necessarily, but really nice to see those guys shine. Yeah, a lot of really quick 40s. Uh, those guys pretty much topping the charts. Rondale, just unbelievable. He ran 4.29, jumped to 42.5 yeah. uh, on his vertical. Bench 24 reps also. I mean, he's built like a fire hydrant, man. I absolutely love him. Elijah Moore, really quick too. 4.35 in the 40-yard dash. Um, a bit smaller and some i guess he's i guess similar than to rondale Moore, but yeah. not as athletic or good testing when it comes to the jumps i suppose 36 in the vertical and then only put up 17 reps on the bench still not bad 
Um, we had a, some more burners too. Jalen Darden ran ran a four four six. Yeah. Um, and then Schwartz from Auburn. Auburn. He ran a four two six. Again, I don't really know what to make with these numbers because it's because Seth Williams ran a four four six as well, right? Like, he Seth Williams ran a four five flat. So okay. I mean, I, I, how much do we trust these numbers? I just don't, I don't know what to believe here. I don't know. Dwayne Eskridge also ran a 4-4. Hank, you'll be pleased by that. No, Jared Patterson, one of the few speedsters to actually disappoint. The great Buffalo running back only in the 4-5s. Um, and you then put, I guess. Uh, you put Dwayne Eskridge on a power five 40-yard uh, dash track. He's 4-3-2. He's Get him out of Western Michigan. Let them run yeah. at Penn State instead. Penn, yep. Penn State, uh, Penn State is yep. our next stop. Um, Henry, you warned us from the start, didn't you? Yeah. No, we, we knew this was going to happen. We, we knew that the Penn State guys were going yeah. to have spectacular 40-yard dashes. And yeah. we said at the time, or at least I did, we're not going to let this skew what we already know about these players. But yeah. now here we are. And what happens? They have a whole bunch of awesome numbers. And... I, I mean, the, the, the story, of course, is Micah Parsons. Um, or, I mean, Jason Owe right there, too. Um, but Parsons yeah. going 439, 40-yard dash. It's 63246, 100th um, percentile in hand size. That is not a thing. That means, like, you can only be in the 99th percentile. In the way that percentiles work, like you cannot be 100. That is how big his hands are. Um, the broad joke, he's not wrong. He's not yeah, wrong. No, that's, that's, his that's 11 how big inch those hands, hands are. It's absurd. Yes, what this is saying true. is that his hands are so big. They're so they're bigger than everybody's hands, including his own. Those are some yeah. big hands. Um, <laughs> that's the, exactly right. The broad jump was incredible. The yeah. three tone was very good. There's so much to like about this, but again, yeah. Don't don't trust it too much. Like like you can keep that number in the back of your head and be like, oh yeah, is a tiebreaker, sure, but no more than that. And then Jason Owe, like the the edge rusher, <laughs> he be, I mean, you want to talk about Micah Parsons' hands? No, that'll put so things in perspective. Though Jason Owe, yeah. Owe puts everything in perspective because Owe's three cone is better, like <laughs> a full tenth of a second better mm -hmm. while weighing in. 11 pounds heavier and we being way longer more gangly his arms are three inches longer than micah parsons that's concerning micah parsons length is extremely concerning 31 inch arms if like we've talked about in our linebacker episode your goal is to put parsons out on the edge full time that should be a major red flag for you um so, yeah, Owe just has, like, better vertical, a better broad jump. He ran the same 40. Again, Wayne much bigger. So, I, okay, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Shaka Tooney also serious. ran insanely. So, Of yeah. course. And, again, just every, every one of these guys who has a, a 40 time where you're like, wow, how did he do that? Should just be one more reason to not trust any of them. But yeah, Shaka Tony, 451, 97th percentile, three cone in the 88th, broad jump in the 96th, vertical in the 95th, 39 inches at 62242. Eh, maybe a little undersized, but like, sure. This is this is another good option. And to be honest, it's like, would you rather have Micah Parsons at nine, Owe at 15, 
or Shaka Tony in the second, third, you know, I, I, right. I don't know. Well, and then if all these edge rushers are testing like freaks, then cool. True. Like we're Gucci. I'll just wait for the one who drops to me at the second round. Yep. Um, a, a couple disappointing outings. The TCU safeties, I thought disappointed. Yeah. Nick Nick Bolton, not great. Um, the Missouri linebacker Trey Smith, okay. Um, and like Marvin Williams at FSU, like I, I'm not sure he's getting drafted. Yeah, man, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, big time. Some guys uh, at USC, I wasn't a fan of either. I don't think uh-huh. uh, Ufanga's numbers were that great. Yep. Tyler Vaughn's yikes. Yep. Um, even Tufele, not really great. I mean, correct. Weighed in okay, but nothing impressive otherwise. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Kenneth Gainwell on the positive side did impress. Uh, Jake. Um, yep. Anyone else you guys wanted to hit up or or touch on here before we move on to what all this means for the Broncos? Um, so I. I think as I was conclude this cornerbacks, offensive tackle edge rushing classes have and wide receivers have really, really, really impressed. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the the OT class has lacked a little length, but we're seeing a lot of athleticism to make up for some, some of the length deficiencies. Um, We went over the biggest winners already. You know, it's basically Rondale, Jason Owe and JC Horn. Um, so yeah, let's move on into our final segment on the Broncos options at nine. Hank, get us through it, buddy. All right. Um, we are going to talk about one of our fra- favorite partners. I almost said furry. Our favorite. Yeah, yep. that would have been dumb. Um, but they have a really important message. Men, did you guys know that one man every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? At Manscaped, they save balls. This means not only designing the right tools for the job, but also raising awareness for the ball-busting disease, which is the most common form of cancer among men ages 15 to 35. Yes, you heard that correctly, 15 to 35. As part of Manscaped's brand mission, their partnership with the Testicular Cancer Society aims to educate and entertain while spreading a very important message about early detection and self-screening to protect yourself against men's health issues and cancer risk. First and foremost, get your balls checked. Next, grab a lawnmower 3.0, use the code DMVR to save 20% plus get free shipping, and help the proceeds go toward an amazing cause. If you buy your performance packages and crop mops today, you'll contribute to the We Save Balls initiative. Every purchase made in the month of March goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society. So again, use code DMVR to save 20% off that purchase and get free shipping. And make sure you do that in the next few days before the end of March so that your money will go to a good cause. Not that Manscaped isn't a good cause. They save balls. There you go. Um... All right, guys, now open floor. We've kind of established the new draft world order that we live in. Um, And so at nine, who really are the candidates? Because on top of all this, the Broncos have also done a really nice job of taking advantage of some wonderful opportunities in free agency since we spoke to you last. So now that secondary has Kareem Jackson back and most importantly has Kyle Fuller 
as that number one outside corner. So now the depth at corner is looking nice. You've got your safety where that's maybe not an immediate need anymore. Um, and I mean, at nine, that factors in, I think, the strengths of this, the strengths and depth of this class in certain positions like edge rusher, like offensive tackle could kind of play into this discussion at nine as well, where it's like, well, I'm totally happy with Alex Leatherwood dropping to me in the fifties. I don't need to take Darisaw or Rashawn Slater here. Um, but who does that push up? Then? Like, seriously, guys, uh, uh, this isn't, Andre doing a segment and like leading the discuss. Give me options. Like I, there how, how wide of a net do I cast here? There are there there are not any good options at nine. Like and that that is my one hundred percent expectation on draft day, and that's why I think they're going to have to trade down or not maximize their opportunity. You know, if you look at who the best players on the board are going to be, they're going to be you know one or two of. Javon or uh, Devonte Smith, uh, Jamar Chase, and uh, the Waddle. Yeah, none of those guys really make much sense. I mean, you you could bring them in and say, you know what, Cortland Sutton, this is the last year on his deal. We could let him walk, save some money, have Devonte Smith instead. Come on, I mean, it's just that you're not really gaining all that much in the grand scheme of things. And that's assuming that things work out for whichever one of the receivers you draft. Cause you put, could just be putting yourself in a tough position by letting go of Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, the cornerbacks, that's what we are talking about. There's no reason to be taking a cornerback in the first round right now. What are you going to do with Patrick Sertain? Are, are, are you going to find a way to get him on the field? Because I don't know what that path is this season. I mean, it's, it's injuries or Darby just falling apart. And then Sertain is a rookie being able to beat Michael Ojemudia. With OJ and Bassey, you are just fine this season at corner. I do think like middle rounds, it makes sense. Like, and then from there, where do you even look? There's like Micah Parsons, eh, JOK, yeah. little early, quitty pay, too early. Like there's there aren't good options right. at nine for Brother Ojulari, Russo. Not at nine to me. <sighs> I'd rather right. see which one of those guys falls to 18. Right. Because one of them is going to be there. Love what you said about the corners. After all that, they take Mac Jones, considering all the drama about, oh, he didn't go watch Mac throw. Well, yeah. <laughs> Classic smokescreen, right? Yeah, I mean, if yeah, you're exactly. interested, you don't go. I, again, I was at that Josh Allen Pro Day, the one team that didn't have any front office member, the Bills. <laughs> the team that trade up, trades up to get them. Um, yeah, Jake, on the corners. Uh, um, yeah, a couple things I want to get to on the corners, though, Hank. I think you nailed it, especially you know even before the shit, the Darby deal, even but before the Fuller deal, adding a corner, I just didn't really see what that really helped this team get better at. I mean, yeah, you're going to be more shirt up in the secondary, but I don't think you're really moving the needle if you take a corner at nine, and I don't think you're really going to make this team better right now. I think there's other positions that could need that could uh, be improved. And that brings me back to JOK. I mean, at nine, I know it's something that's not ideal, especially yeah. from a value standpoint, but man, how athletic would that defense be? You bring Kareem back. Now you have Fuller and Darby at corner, mm -hmm. and then you add JOK to play that kind of third safety slot linebacker hybrid. I mean, they've been trying to do three safety stuff going back to when Vance Joseph was head coach with Will Parks. Right. And I mean, you can add JOK and you become even better when you try to do that. That's the guy that I'm really looking at. I mean, Micah Parsons possibly, 
who knows? I also wanted to ask, what are the odds that all five quarterbacks are gone before the Broncos pick at nine? I mean, I think they're going one, two, three, four, and I think the Panthers are taking Mac Jones. Yeah, I think the first four being gone is a, a guarantee, like 98% certainty. Mac Jones is probably more of a 50-50 proposition, right? Fair. So, well, it's like a 52-48 split that... 48% all five are gone. 52% Mac Jones is still available by nine. I think that's about what you're looking at. And I mean, Mac Jones, I've been back and forth for George Payton because George Payton understands the value. Like, I think if you gave George Payton truth serum, he would tell you the problem was never signing Kirk Cousins. It was paying Kirk Cousins. Like yeah. Kirk Cousins made our team better but not enough to justify that contract that then had to force you to cut talent left at right and center at all other areas. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he's like, you know, again, we make it out to be like, Oh, the chiefs are this insurmountable team with cost controlled quarterbacks. Peyton and the Vikings have been able to compete um, in the North, you know, by building their team around the defense and other stuff. So you wonder, like, is Mac, like, in the situation we're in, where Sertain is by far the safest prospect of need for the Broncos, but he doesn't have a path to even see the field next year. The wide receivers are the best players available, but you have three wide receivers on rookie contracts who were top 50 picks. Plus and Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick, who you like, and two nice receiving tight ends. Maybe when Max was the last Jones time we had a running back logical. go top ten. Saquon. Uh, Saquon. 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 Okay, before Saquon though, McCaffrey, Zeke, McCaffrey, Fournette. yeah, McCaffrey, Fournette. Zeke, Fournette, yeah, those were the four like mold breakers. Okay, but all those guys are like game changing. Yes, and and worthy of top five picks, basically undeniably. Yes, is Najee Harris or Travis Etienne in the consideration for a top? 10 pick top five no way but nine especially given if this is how the board falls if your Honestly, biggest grief is we want a guy that can play right now we need to impact a position right now right. then it's running back and you know given the other options <laughs> like you could justify it at the same time why not just trade down though because you you could at least like say that's the caveat is you could you could probably get him at 15 or exactly. 13 or whatever you can pick up something. And, and the thing is though, like, would I rather have Najee Harris or JOK on this team? It's, it's, it's JOK, I think, but, but at the same Close. time, the bus potential is so big there. Najee comes in and fills a need with obvious. Every running back has bus potential. You'd never know who's going to work out, but it's, it's not as crazy as it sounds. What's crazy is this class is like, I, I'd actually just rather Javante Williams and Jamin Davis. Like that's the running back linebacker. Just give me two second rounders and I'll go on my way. Yeah. And I know what you're doing, Justin, you're more, more sparking a discussion than like seriously suggesting Najee as a pick at nine, but that so clearly illustrates the massive drop off that occurs between those first seven targets for the Broncos and what they're more likely to be left over with 
once the ninth pick rolls around. It it just opens up a whole new draft tier for you. Plain and simple. And so it's an insanely tough discussion. I think Rashawn Slater, Patrick Sertain, incredibly safe. The wide receivers, the best players available. Um, edge rushers and offensive tackle, probably the biggest positions of need. But with the ones that are left in that tier, I think you're kind of splitting hairs, certainly with the edge rushers, depending on how you feel about Parsons. And with the offensive tackles, I think more people would lean Rashawn Slater. Who maybe has a right maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there at this point that we haven't talked about. No, I I like Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay is kind of my favorite once we start to get in this. Russo might still be my favorite. I need to see how he tests. You know, Farley's dropped out of that discussion. I think Darisaw's kind of dropping out if he's not going to test because his athleticism has to be one of his major selling points. So, yeah, I... And this conversation also illustrates to me that we can say, why not just trade down? Easier said than done when this or or up. Yeah, you got to do something. You just can't sit tight. But but there is talent on the board at nine. There are very talented players. It's just that Colorado can't doubt. And that's that's why I think that you're going. I mean, you're going to be able to get trade done. And I think you're going to be able to get decent value for it, too. I mean, are you that certain though that there's going to be that much thirst? I mean, if all five up, QBs go, I don't know who wants to trade up at that point. Like, I'm not saying you're going to get market value, but you're going to get right, enough to right. justify trading down. And you know, when you look at who's right behind them, you got the Giants there. They have so many needs; they're probably not trading up. Eagles probably aren't working their way back up. But the Chargers, you probably don't make a deal with the Chargers, I guess. But you could totally New England at 15, maybe. Yeah, if the quarterbacks are still, <laughs> I think there's the still like, desirable guys to trade up for though at nine. I mean, if Waddle's there, you could potentially get the fastest player in the draft and yeah. most versatile all around yes. wide receiver. Um, if none of the corners go, you get your pick of the corner yeah. and then tackles too. If Sewell's the only one that goes, and I don't know who would need a tackle at this point, the Chargers, I mean, say Chargers or Vikings, yeah. maybe Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, you could see them trading up also for a tackle. So how far down are you willing to trade? Because right now you have a top 10 pick. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of cachet that comes with having a top 10 pick. It's really deflating to your fan base. And I just want to bring it up. Peyton's, he wants to make the right moves, but he also wants to win the fan base over. If you trade down too far, like, I'm not saying that that should be his primary focus, but we do have to... You know, the optics of all this stuff do matter right now, given the state yeah. of the Denver Broncos over the last half decade. Honestly, so, my first thought is I want to get at least to 17 or 18 and maybe even lower. Like I, I kind of, again, like those guys are going to be there. There's going to be good players. There's at least seven or eight guys. Like if it winds up being Devonte Smith, who's there at 18. Sure. If you wind up getting in the twenties and taking Najee and winding up with more draft capital, that's cool with me too. Honestly, if you're out of nine, I'm happy. But somewhere in that like 18 to 22, 23 range is perfect. I wouldn't mind going later. If 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 you get enough in return, of course. I'm with you, Hank, especially if the first five quarterbacks are off the board. Why not, man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the math works out pretty nicely. We see, what, like three tackles 
four to five edge rushers, three corners, and let's say one and a half linebackers as acceptable in this range. So let's say nine um, who you'd be happy taking. And you can assume safely that two more wide receivers need to go. So you've got about an 11 pick leg way to get include, someone you safely would have assumed uh, or would have considered at the ninth pick. Did you include for me? It's Washington at 19 oh, yeah, at Chicago 19. at 20 are the two that you would kind of be hoping for. I'm not even saying that exactly. those teams have an yeah. interest or, you know, would need a need. I just think that would be the, about the area that you're probably looking at realistically. Yeah, that's exactly that. The math works out. Yeah. You you're down 10, 11 spots. Boom. You're perfect. Tennessee yeah. at 22 could be a spot also. I mean, they're a team that's been kind of hovering around that, you know, first exit out of the playoff bubble. Maybe Good they point. think that they want to trade up and maybe they elevate their chances. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. they just made a mistake at tackle. Maybe, you know, true yeah. classic. Like we just went with the toolsy big guy. What if we go with the smart guy from Northwestern who was a team captain? Um, like, let's trade up and get him, Vrabel. <laughs> That's like happening right now. They lost there. to Dory Jackson too. They could go yep, corner if yep, they wanted yep. to go up. Yeah, no, they'd be a perfect candidate, but they need to get like to move down from nine to 22, even in a year like this, you still got to get yep. like Hank would say, not market value, but enough for it to be worth your while to go from, you know, Rashawn Slater to Samuel Cosme to go from Jeremiah Wusso Kamora to Jamin Davis, to go from Micah Parson Quiddy Pay to Osai Ronnie Perkins. Like that's the drop off you're looking at. Well, let's um, talk it through. What what is the minimum you would take to hypothetically move 10 to 11 spots down? So the tough part for me is that there's just there isn't like a team that just has two picks in that range where I feel like it comes out fair. Like there's nobody that just has like 20 and 28 and then you're like ah oh, what what a what a nice just maybe maybe you're not quite you're not getting enough with that but but something like that would, would be the dream it's essentially the Steelers trade right the Devin Bush yes. no offense swap it's yes. swapping first and adding two day two picks is that correct so one second one third that's not bad honestly though I, I think future assets are valuable as well I think you know you look at what the Eagles did when they said basically we're, we're rolling hurts. with Jalen hurts. We're going to have an extra first next year. If we need to move up, not a bad strategy for the Broncos. Although I would, I would focus on trying to get the picks in this draft. If, if possible, just because use well, them, they're more valuable now than next year. Here's the thing though. If the top five quarterbacks go before you pick at nine and you're looking to move back, you're, we're kind of just looking at this year, not as a wash, but I mean, it's all dependent on drew Locke again. Right. Mm -hmm. So say they go to eight wins again. I mean, why not just try and get another first round next year? I mean, you'd be just fine. I think doing that. Yep. Yeah. And in, in some ways you like that more because again, okay, we're happy to move down to 21, 22 because we feel we'll still get one of the guys at nine. All right, like even if you moved out of the first entirely and just loaded up on future picks, like, look, the guy you get in the early second isn't going to be that far off who you yeah. who we were targeting at twenty two. And Javante Williams could be there. So sign me up, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Okay, so gun to your head today, right now, 
who do you want wish the Broncos would draft? Who do you predict the Broncos would draft? Assuming they stay put at nine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. No, you can go. You can you can go. You can call your shot on a trade down or trade up. Actually, then I mean, I'm ideally I hope they trade down and add Najee Harris and a defensive piece and or tackle. Um, if they stay put, then I guess I hope they take certain. I I agree that I the path to playing this year is rough, mm-hmm. but. I mean, Darby has an injury history, so you can't really guarantee that he's going to be reliable over, you know, the next two to three year window. We'll have to see how that plays out. Adding an an elite guy on a, on a rookie deal. That's, that's not a terrible option. And, you know, having three lockdown corners is never a bad situation. You know, when Roby was that third guy was when he played the best ball of his career. It's not a bad way to ease into that starting role. So I guess that's where I'm at. and, And that's very Bama Homer of me. But I, if this is the way that it plays out, then that's what I'm hoping for. What's your pre- so your prediction is they'll trade down? Yeah, I, I'm predicting they'll trade down, hoping for Najee and a tackle. Um, but I'm predicting that they're just going to take a corner. Okay, okay. Um, Jake Hank, who's feeling it? In my dream world. Yeah. They again, it sucks that there isn't just a team with like two picks so you could just swap and make it super simple. So in my dream world, it's a it's a pretty complicated world. But the Broncos trade down, they pick up say 18, 19, 20, something like that, take JOK. They use some of the other capital they get to get back into the first, uh, late first, pick up Najee. And I think that that to me is the the dream scenario. Um that'd be fun, of- JOK and Najee. That would be incredible. Ton of fun. It'd be, be incredible. Awesome. Um, also Penny Sewell falling is the actual dream. That just seems very unlikely. So I didn't say it at first, um, in terms of what I think is going to happen, you know, looking at this board, it's, it's really hard to just confidently say that a team is going to trade down in the draft because what one in every 10 teams, eight teams winds up trading down. But I just don't know how you sit here and do anything else. I I think that if they stay, it's, I don't think they stay. I think they trade down to like 14, 15 and take, um, it could be Parsons. It could be JOK. It could be even certain. Maybe I'm, I'm going to go with Parsons. So, which I don't love. My dream scenario would be kind of how I outlaid in the mock earlier. If Atlanta doesn't take a quarterback at four, you're looking at pick five, six, seven with the Bengals, Dolphins, Lions trade up, get fields possibly. Hopefully you yeah. don't give up more than next year's first and maybe a day two this year. We'll see though, after the cost that the Niners paid, who knows? Yeah. Um, that would be my dream scenario. I think that's what makes the team as good as it can be immediately in this draft picking at nine. I do. I'm kind of coming around a corner now after what Justin said, especially because you've got fuller on the one year deal. So yeah. if you take certain or horn, whoever you think is one, that would make sense at nine. I wouldn't be upset. It'd be a little disappointing, but I'd come around to that trade back. JOK would be the guy for me for sure. And I do like Hinks and also maybe you collect enough capital to trade back into the first, um, you know, maybe one of the corners slides down. Maybe you get JOK and say Greg Newsom or something. That'd be real yeah. nice too. 
my dream scenario would be to trade up. I'm happy to trade up even with Atlanta. I would give up the ninth overall pick. I would give a 2022 future first because I think this draft, I think next year's draft will be the one most impacted by all this COVID stuff and the wacky season we had last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that in mind, I would also give up a 2022 second. So I would load up on giving away as many assets from next year's draft class, which I'm really not impressed by and moving up for fields who I'm happy to do. Again, the, the concerns are processing speed. Processing speed was our concern with Herbert. It was our concern with Deshaun Watson. Um, my prediction is I, th- yeah, I think they might be stuck at nine. I think it could very easily come down to the safest picks you have staring at you, which will be Rashawn Slater, Patrick Sertain, and JOK. Um, I think Gregory Russo, if he like really surprised and at his pro day and kind of convinced people that he was as much an interior defensive lineman in a three, four, like kind of followed the force Buckner game, uh, game plan i think that would add a ton of value because the the interior defensive line class is so weak so if russo like really transformed himself um and had a big pro day i think he could vault himself into that conversation it's Mm -hmm. just a lot of unknowns and i'm kind of siding with justin i mean look at since Vic Fangio's been on this team, since John Elway's been the GM, what George Payton's done in Minnesota, these are head coaches, front office men, personnel men who undoubtedly put a lot of value on the cornerback position. An Alabama cornerback, as technically sound as Sertain is with his size, with the kind of glowing report you are going to get about him from probably the best secondary coach in the world right now. And Nick Saban um, on top of the pedigree is just such an incredibly safe way to start your tenure as a GM. It, you know, it's just like, let's lay the foundation. I've got this super safe piece, you know, and and we're just going to lay the foundation. Fuller's going to leave in a year. We don't even care. It gives us so many less concerns about OJ Moody, about Darby's health. So, yeah, given everything, I think all things being equal today, March 26th, that's what happens. So it's a certain day. It's a certain day indeed. I, but I could see Horn. Um, I could too. One other guy we haven't mentioned. I mean, if Jalen Phillips just goes out and lights it up at the pro day, he's going to be top 10, 15 buzz also. Like Russo, very much like Russo. I agree. Um, yeah, and you, it's been fun. It's been cool. Like, pay Ojulari to some extent. We could have kind of seen those guys coming, even Horn as big risers. I don't know that are there are a ton more left on the board that could really surprise with some blow up. So I like Jalen Phillips, and I think I think him and Russo are really the big guys still out there that could still make some big moves. Well, JOK, I suppose as well. Yeah, I was going to say JOK is a big one. And I mean, don't count out some of the guys on uh, Notre Dame's line as well. You know, offense and defense, maybe not all the way at nine, but I think they could have some big pro days and stuff too. Um, I'm realizing now that Freemus run. No, he he only, he barely did anything. Um, 
bro, if you're not running on that track, like <laughs> undrafted, and <laughs> come on, like I was, I would have ran a four three nine and jumped a forty inch vertical <laughs> on that on that track. Come on. And oh, the concerns they, we had about him were speed too. Oh gosh, terrible, Jake. Like, Could you imagine? Have you seen the movie like a- Flubber? You guys are also <laughs> Penn flubber. State. The track might be made of flubber, like legitimately, <laughs> yeah. with the way those guys are tested. If you haven't seen it, go go check that out. Uh, what a blast from the past, oh, bro! I haven't real, thought about that movie in so long. A real blast from the past. Interestingly enough, the main character, which in the remake is played by Robin Williams, named Ned Brainerd, which is my grandpa's last name or full name, full name no so yeah yeah full name ned brainerd and that's the robin williams character in flubber justin have you seen flubber oh yeah i used to own flubber there you go i was just saying i'm starting to think the penn state track might just be made out of flubber you got some homework Henry. yeah yeah i like that theory Uh, yeah yeah thank you thank you um what what better way to close close out a show than that i feel invigorated guys I feel like a new man. We have a new draft order. We have new prospects to dial into. We have some needs addressed to where the Broncos are way less need dependent in the picks they need to address now in the draft. It's going to be a fun one. I cannot wait to do this with you guys next week again. We will get to questions and stuff then. Thank you, as always, for listening. On behalf of our whole crew, have a great week. We will be back soon. Jay on the moon.